Well, without any further ado, I'm going to introduce our wonderful Sam Tucker, who's part of the leadership team here, uh, who's going to start us off in our new series that we've, uh, we've started to, we're starting today, uh, up in our uh, 2.0 uh, relaunch series as we start to gather again in a bigger format and, and open up things a bit more. So Sam, over to you, my friend. Uh, as Phil mentioned, we're starting a, a mini-series just at the beginning of this summer uh, break, and, um, and really it coincides with what, what has happened this morning, which is like a, a lifting of restrictions, and, and so we, we, we wanted to, to take some time to reflect a little bit on where we've been over this last uh, X number of months, and, um, and consider what we've learned, what we've learned of ourselves in that time, what we've learned of God, and... Uh, and really seeking not to be the same as we were before. I don't think we want to just press a button and go back to where we were. We want to allow uh, this last season to have shaped us, to uh, have allowed what God has been doing in, in our hearts and in our church uh, to have some lasting impact. And so uh, we've got, if you're new to, to our church family, you may have uh, not heard this before, but hopefully the rest of us have. We, we talk about the way that we relate in three different ways. So we talk about up, in and out, uh, the little triangle you've probably seen. And uh, we're going to take those three areas and talk a little bit about how we've uh, grown in this season, what, what ways in which this season has helped us in that and how, uh, and how we can kind of take what it is that God's been doing amongst us and uh, go further. And so this morning we're looking at the whole subject of up uh, and then uh, next week, I think we're looking at in, so how we kind of relate within a community together when we've got some of the congregations still on Zoom and we've got uh, life groups and other things going on. So how, how do we make this work? Lots of people who've never been in other people's houses for many months and now we're, you know, how does that look? Uh, and then also we want to look at the subject of out. So the week after, we'll look at that. How do we engage with those around us? How do we... Um, how do we share the gospel that God has uh, given us? Uh, how do we be the good news to those around us in this world that we live in now, in, uh, in the kind of aftermath of everything that's gone on and is still going on? So um, we want to make sure that we're uh, being commissioned in that way as well. So we're going to talk about that, how we do that outwardly. So this morning, uh, I, I want to talk to us a little bit about up and... Um, uh, and really, uh, you know, I want to just create some questions for us to consider these things ourselves. Is anybody, is anybody different to how they were the last time they met in a room like this with many other people? Maybe, maybe if you're in the room, you can give me a little nod, some kind of gesture to say you're slightly different. I'm different. I am definitely different. I uh, had a daughter that I didn't have last time I spoke to people in person. Uh, I had a gallbladder last time I spoke to people... <laughs> in person that I now no longer have. Uh, and there's many other things in which God has done within me. God didn't do the gallbladder, by the way, that was a surgeon. But, the, but, but there's many other ways in which I have changed through this pandemic, through periods of isolation, periods of frustrations, periods of what on earth is going on. Uh, and, and I know that a number of brothers and sisters within this community have experienced the same things and are continuing to experience those things. And so we kind of wanted just to reference that and say this series is kind of like a bit of a redraft, saying, okay, in light of all those things, what have we learned? Where are we going? What looks different? Let's try and, let's try and make some sense of this. This might be life 2.0. We might have to do a 3.0, 4.0 as things develop. Who knows? But ultimately, we want to 
we want to recognise that God has been doing stuff in this season. It's not been a wasted time, and we want to grow in that. So, in terms of up then, what is it that we're talking about? Well, it's such a big subject. We're not going to be able to do everything this morning. When we talk about our upward relationship with God, we could talk about prayer, we could talk about worship, we could talk about how we, we're taught to trust him, to find our joy in him. Uh, there are a number of ways in which we could do that, a number of areas like solitude, abiding, resting, intimacy in God. All these things maybe sound quite a passive thing, but actually the, the way that the Bible describes them, they're, 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 they're offensive, they, they take ground in God's kingdom and we seek to do that, take solitude in him, abide in him, rest in him. So I want to encourage us to over this coming week to consider these things. We're not going to have time to talk about all of them this morning, but I want you to consider what is it that you've learned in this season in those areas about your relationship with God? What areas have grown? What areas have maybe not grown? And how can we address those things? But I want to focus this morning on looking at the subject of worship. And uh, we've, uh, for us in this room here at the Fletton Centre, we've been able to Uh, sing out loud. Uh, Many of you will be able to do that to your own free will in your front rooms. But that's been a a big development. And so I wanted to to kind of talk a little bit about worship for us and um, take some encouragement from the Bible. Firstly, the Bible would say that worship is about all seasons of life. And uh, I I guess it's good to kind of clarify that right from the off. Recognising, as I said, uh, we're not saying that things have finished and that you know, we're now moving on, we're saying that actually we're still living through lots of stuff. And we recognise that across the church family, that when we talk about worship, we're not saying that we do this because life is rosy, but we do this because uh, we're called to do this and God is worthy. And God is worthy in all seasons of life. And uh, we, we see beautiful examples of that within our church family, stunning, stunning examples of heroes of faith who uh, through tears, worship God. And it's, it's wonderful to be part of a church family like that. We commend that to us. We see that example within the Psalms as well, just real raw honesty when it comes to worship in light of the circumstances. But let me just say that the, uh, the experience of worship is not the object of our worship. So what we've just come to, you know, the excited faces coming through the door, we can sing out loud, it's wonderful, absolutely it's brilliant, but the experience of worship is not the object of worship. I want to talk about the object of worship, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the object of our worship. Eugene Peterson, talking about worship, said, Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt the preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. That's the heart of worship, isn't it? That's the heart of worship, where we take our attention from ourselves and and put it on our wonderful Saviour. That's what worship is all about. Let me read some verses to us, and that's where we're going to base our uh, few moments uh, together today and then hopefully we'll land in communion together and be able to sing another song uh, in response. So John 4, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have one, John 4 and I'll read from chapter uh, from verse 19. You may know this story, it's the woman at the well but I want to focus in on uh, just a part of this story, uh, pick it up at verse 19. It says, the woman said to him, talking to Jesus, sir I perceive that you are a prophet Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor on Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here 
when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wonderful uh, moment in uh, John 4 and a a beautiful story of the woman at the well. Uh, But there's just a couple of things I just want to pick out for us as we look at the the subject of of worship. I really love this phrase that, that Jesus talks about. He says that, He talks about the fact that the Father is seeking a certain type of worshipper. Do you get that image? I just really love that image, the way that the Father is is seeking around. Imagine this Sunday morning, he's he's looking around multiple Zoom screens, looking around at different church halls, thinking, I'm I'm looking for true, true worshippers. The Father is seeking that. That's what Jesus says. The Father is seeking true worshippers. What a beautiful image. And then Jesus also engages in this conversation with the woman uh, about a mountain. And we might feel that um, we probably don't get the full grasp of that. It's a bit of a theological conversation that he's having. But Jesus kind of takes away the focus of this mountain, this physical place, this, this place in which the woman's saying, look, you know, I, I know that our forefathers have worshipped here, but you're saying it's actually over here. And you know, it's quite a difficult conversation they're having if we look into the, the ins and outs of it. But Jesus takes away that argument and says that, friends, worship, true worship is not about location or form. It's about something much bigger. It's about a posture. And he gives us the answer to that in a few moments. But I, I just wanted to kind of say these things right from the off. I love this. I love the start to these verses. These are, uh, there's a, it's kind of setting up what it is that God is looking for when he's talking about worship, it's setting up you know, what we should be looking for. Should we be looking for a specific place, a specific building, a mountain for us to set ourselves up on? No, Jesus says no. The Father is seeking something different here. The Father is seeking people who worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That's the posture by which we are called to worship. That's what the Father is looking for this morning. If you're a true worshipper, If you are worshipping this morning, this is what he's seeking out for. This is the gauge in which he's looking through. So firstly, let's just look at these uh, two things very, very briefly. Firstly, what does it mean uh, when when he's talking about spirit, those who worship through the spirit? If we'd have read earlier, we'd have seen uh, in this beautiful exchange with the woman at the well that Jesus has offered something quite incredible. So she's there to try and fill up her, her, her beaker, or, you know, jar, and, um, and uh, with water. And Jesus says, actually, no, I offer you something much bigger here. I offer you living water. Living water that means that you would never be thirsty again. You would, you would never, never taste thirst again if you come to me. That I, would, I, I have the power, I have the ability to give you free living water. It's just a stunning, stunning verse. And as we look at the Spirit this is what Jesus offers. As we're worshippers, we're those who are, who are lavished with uh, a grace and a living water. Uh, we, you know, we're not those who, who come parched this morning. We're those who, who approach flowing with living water that has been given to us. If you, are, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've received his spirit, then this is a beautiful, beautiful truth for you to know this morning. 
What does the Spirit do for us? Well, the Bible says that it makes us alive. You were dead, but now you're alive. That's what the Spirit does. You were dead in your sins, but now you're alive. You've been made alive through the Spirit, Ephesians 2. The Spirit authenticates our response. You know, this morning isn't about how G'd up you can be, how excited you can be about the balloons and all the other things that are going on. It isn't about that. It's about, you know, the Spirit authenticates our response. It's about a, a deeper inner working from within our heart that cries out to God. Beautiful. It stirs us to celebrate Him. You know, in the absence of this, Jesus criticizes those elsewhere in the gospel. He talks to, to the Pharisees and says, like, your lips are moving, but your hearts are unmoved. Your hearts are unmoved. Well, that is not the case for us. If you've received the Spirit when we approach in worship, we, we're, not appro- we're not those whose hearts are unmoved. We have a Spirit within us that cries out, deep longing to deep. Beautiful. It empowers us. The Bible talks about the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work amongst us. The same Spirit, not a different one, not a watered-down version. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work amongst us. What a beautiful thing when we come as a, as a family like this, when we're gathered across Peterborough. What a beautiful thing that we get to enjoy and we get to know that the power of God is at work as we gather in this way. Jesus said, and we've commented on this a little bit already, I feel, but the, Jesus said elsewhere in John, John 14, verse 18, he says, I, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I won't leave you as orphans. You know, I'm, going to, I'm going away, but actually I'm going to send a helper. I'm not going to leave you here. And I think this is the most stunning part when we look at the Spirit and when we look about what we've already been singing and what we've been talking about already this morning. It really feels like you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, a new experience of the presence of God I give to you. A, a new closeness I give to you. That comes through the Spirit. That's, the, that's what God offers. That's the way in which we approach it. You know, you're not orphans. You're not those who are who are seeking around fatherless. You know, no, God has given you a father through the Spirit. For what Jesus has done and that closeness, that presence of God is a reality for us. If you know uh, Jesus, if you've been received uh, his Spirit. So that's us personally. What about corporately? Well, when we're gathered on Sunday mornings like this, when we gather in other settings, the Spirit orchestrates our time together. This is, this is, again, something beautiful that we see. You read through the New Testament, you see the New Testament church life. The Spirit gifts individuals, gifts individuals by God's grace to be, able to, um, to be able to serve one another, to be able to encourage one another, to be able to stir one another up. There's a corporate response to this as well, isn't there? When we're worshipping in the Spirit, and, and it's, I just wanted to encourage us because I feel like this uh, season that we've been in, it's been a real challenge. It's been great to have... Uh, the different contributions that we've had, and we tried really hard to include that from different settings. But let's, friends, let's really press in in this area. Let's uh, let's really um, stir one another up by the gifts that God has given us. If you're on Zoom, and uh, you know, why don't you uh, consider through the week how you might bring something uh, to be shared? We're going to uh, look for different ways in which we can do that, so that actually there's not. Uh, as big a disconnect where we can say, actually, if you feel God speaking to you on Zoom, you'll be able to communicate to us and we can share that across everybody in the same way as if we just call out and say here, you know, as filtered, anybody got anything? Well, you know, it's great if we came prepared for those things because God, God by his spirit is gifting us to be able to encourage and stir one another up in the church family. 
I really just want to encourage us in that. That's something that we can grow in in this season, isn't it? Why don't you take that as a bit of a challenge? So that's the first part. Jesus says, true worshippers. The true worshippers that God is seeking are those who seek uh, him by the Spirit. They're, they're those who worship by the Spirit. Beautiful. And then he says, there's another part to that. He says to the woman, they're those who engage through the truth. Through the truth. Verse 22, Jesus says uh, to the woman, you worship what you don't know, but we know. What a beautiful thing to say. He says, you worship what you don't know, woman, but we worship what we know. And, uh, and I think it's really encouraging for us to just take some time to consider what is the truth that we know in Jesus. And we're going to respond uh, and do that in a moment when we take communion and uh, when we uh, get to sing some more together. But I just wanted to say that I think this is really, really encouraging. Worship uh, is about knowing, dwelling on, uh, recounting the truths of God. That's what Jesus says here. That's exactly what Jesus says here. And, you know, as we, as we looked at, uh, or I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the, the struggles in life are real. We, we get that, and I'm not brushing away from those things at all. But if you were to have asked me this morning, if when Phil stood up uh, to invite us to come and worship God, if Phil stood up here and said, friends, how do you feel? Well, you'd have got a real mixed bag, to be honest, because I'm quite excited to be here. I'm a little bit apprehensive. I've got some things I need to worry about on Monday. And uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, I'm quite looking forward to singing, all those kind of things. Well, I feel a number of different things. But that isn't the way that we should approach worship. We never want to come up here and say, right, friends, how do we feel? If you feel well enough, let's worship. That's not the question. The question is not how do you feel. The question is what do you know? What do you know? We should be standing up here at the start of our worship time frame, friends, what do you know? What is the truth of God that you know this morning? What is the truth of God that you're clinging to this morning? What is the, what is the thing that is getting you through, got you through last week and you're clinging to for this week? What is, what is the truth of God that we can worship on, that we can recount together, that we can dwell on, that we can sing about? That's the way that we should be approaching worship. That is... That is worship that is Christ-centered. That is worship that is truth-centered. And I don't know about you, but I, uh, I've experienced different things through this season around truth. And I guess I just wanted to kind of help us to recalibrate a little bit and also give you a, a, an invitation to do some of this yourself. I've spoken to some friends. You know what? I'm speaking on up this Sunday. Where would you say you've struggled in this? What are some of the challenges you've found in this? What are some of the areas that you've grown in this. So I'll give you a couple. So some people would say, and I would put myself in this camp, that I've really learned about my identity being in God. My identity being in God. Like overnight, lots of everything that we did and, and, and who, what other people thought of us, all that, everything was just washed away, wasn't it? When we, when we went into lockdown, all the ways we served, you know, they just disappeared. And we have an option there. If our identity was in those things, then they went as well. But actually, the Bible encouraged us to find our identity in Christ. The fact that we, are, that we have our worth in him, that we are called and loved by him, that we are accepted through him. The Bible says we're, we're in him. We're in him. We're not in other things. We're in him. All those other things are extra. That's a beautiful, beautiful truth to dwell on in worship. And I would say probably this, this pandemic, this season that we've been in, it's really helped me to see that a bit clearer. 
I don't want to lose that. I want to continue to grow. My identity is in Christ. Everything else is an extra. A second thing that uh, was fed back was that, that, that God is consistent. Well, that's great, isn't it? Because everything else budged. Everything else disappeared. Everything else that we thought was, um, was unbudgeable disappeared. All the things that we think wouldn't have happened, happened. And so, actually, to know that God is faithful, to know that God is consistent, to know that God uh, is there through the midst of things, that's a wonderful, wonderful truth. A wonderful truth to know. To continue to know. If you experience that this time, well, let's not lose that. Let's stay in that place. Other people said about unhurried time with him. Unhurried time with God. When other commitments, other situations were, were uh, well, I guess, non-existent. But, but actually we found a place of unhurried time in him. Well, let's not lose that in this season either. As we re-enter into a season of busyness, I guess, let's not lose that place of unhurried time with Jesus, that, that rest, that abiding, that solitude with him. It's beautiful. What a wonderful truth that we have. So friends, we're called to worship in spirit and in truth. Let me just ask you this question. And what, what is the truth that you're dwelling on this morning? What is the truth that is drawing you into worship? What is the truth of Jesus that has kept you going over these recent weeks and months? Why don't you just take a moment to reflect on those things? We're going to take uh, some time to take communion together as, as part of our worship, really, to reflect on God. When, when, we're, when we're doing this, we're uh, remembering the truth that is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus did this with his uh, closest friends and said, uh, take uh, this bread and wine representing my body, my blood that is shed for you, shed for you. And uh, the Bible speaks of this beautiful, beautiful moment in which Jesus by his death, dealt with everything that separated us from coming before the Father. That's what we remember when we take bread and wine. We remember his death and his resurrection, that he has called us up, caught us up into an eternity with him. That which separated us is no longer there. The, the veil is, caught, is torn in two, that we can approach a wonderful, uh, loving, gracious, merciful Father. When we take this bread and wine, we have the opportunity to reflect on these things before we uh, drink them and eat them with him in heaven. We get to reflect on these truths, reflect on the things that he's done for us, that he's doing for us now as part of our worship. And I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe if you're at home, you want to, if you're with somebody else, you want to do that with them. Just take a couple of moments now to reflect on the truth that is found in God, the truth that is found in him. We're going to take a few moments to do that. And then we're going to spend time to finish by singing another song and just reflecting on these truths. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our, our, how good we are, our good works, the, the nice things that we do, how approachable we are. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. John 8, I'll just read a couple of verses. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, 
you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and, we have, been, uh, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is, it, how is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Lord, I thank you that you're the one who calls us to freedom. You're the one, you're the one who, if we come to, we find freedom. And Father, I pray for us as, as, a, as a church, as a family, as a, as a group of people who have put their trust in Jesus, we would know the truth and the truth would, we would enjoy the freedom of the truth. And thank you, Lord, that as Sam reminded us, Lord, we can worship in spirit and in truth because of what you have achieved for us, Lord Jesus. You are so, so, so good. We love you, Lord. I do feel like there's an invitation this morning. If, um, if perhaps you're not experiencing freedom, or you're not experiencing peace or joy or uh, fellowship with God, that actually Jesus wants to call you this morning and he's inviting you to that. Um, because if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And that's his invitation to us, friends. So perhaps, you know, perhaps if you're in the room, if you're on Zoom this morning, we'd love to hear back from you. If there's any way we can support and pray, pray with you and pray for you and, and, uh, and, and remind you of Jesus as we remind ourselves about who Jesus is. We'd love to do that. Jesus promises, he promises us freedom. Hallelujah. Bless you. Enjoy your week. We'll see you soon. God bless. Thank you.